A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. How are we doing? And welcome to the GR with me, Darren O'Sullivan. I'm delighted to be joined by Joe Dottie's very own Lee Costello and Niall McIntyre. How are you doing, boys? Good, Darren. All good, all good. Lee, you're lying. You're lying. Come on. No, Start yeah. the show off on honesty. You're very upset. Come on. <laughs> I am a little upset, yeah. I was uh, I was very excited to see Tyrone go to, to Galway um, on the back of a big win against Donegal and then you know, looking at the Galway starting team, seeing the big names missing, it just it felt like a real golden opportunity to get something um, on a pitch where we don't really get a lot of success, but it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. And Niall, no joy for Tip. They're struggling badly without Sweeney. Tipper, yeah, Tip, the Tip footballers are really struggling this year. Sweeney's a big loss. Quinlevin's obviously gone. Stephen O'Brien is injured. So Everton is kind of on a downward spiral. And uh, it's obviously the same with Kerry. So it could be a, a bit of a depressing <laughs> listen today. I was going to say, I was. I might get away without mentioning Kerry. But look, I suppose um, for the three of us, it wasn't a great weekend. But we're going to start closer to home for me. And we're going to go with Cork and Dublin. Um, it, it's a, it, was a, it was a great game. Mm possibly nearly ruined by the referee and we'll give it a mention later on because I don't think he was the only referee to have a bad day this weekend but uh, Cork Cork are showing a bit of something and they almost had a kind of a rider over moment with Brian Hurley late on um, kind of sum it up for me there Lee because Dublin they're stuttering away they're at the top of the league three from three you can't do much more than that but they're, they're not playing well no, they're not. They're not. Um, and we sort of uh, flagged this as a potential issue for Dublin this year, being in Division 2, the sense that they might not get competitive games to really bring their intensity levels into the championship, you know, and they could be caught a bit cold later on in the season. So Cork was like sort of the perfect opportunity to really go at them and get into the full flow of things. But like, they're just so sort of robotic to to watch. And I, and I know they got the win and, and there were a lot of positives from it, but like Conor Callaghan got an early point And I just remember thinking, 
like what what a joy he is to watch. You know, he's so explosive. He's like a detonator when the ball uh, hits him in the D. He just turns and explodes. Um, but then I was like, you know, the last time they kicked it to him, uh, they just recycled the ball so much. They're just so, I don't know, like it, if they call it slowing down the game or if they're being over analytical and on purpose. Um, but to, from the outside looking in, it's just boring to watch, you know. And it get, I think it gave core confidence as well because every time they were able to attack and cause a bit of chaos, they seemed to to capitalize on it. Um, Brian Hurley at the end, you mentioned that hit the crossbar. If that hadn't went in, you know, uh, we we it'd be a whole different podcast. We'd be talking about, you know, we'd be saying how Dublin couldn't see the game out and um, how they didn't seem to have that sort of oomph for that axe factor, but. It was a brilliant game, and I'm I'm just disappointed for Cork because they really deserve to get something in the end. Yeah, I suppose like Lee, you mentioned there, Dublin being robotic, but Dublin were robotic for a number of years, and it worked unbelievably well because they were so efficient. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, like obviously their their scoring return and their efficiency in front of goal, even though it was better, I think this weekend isn't what we were used to in the Jim Gavin regime. Same with their. Um, their passing accuracy, it was always on the money, maybe a bit safety first. Um, and even for a couple of the Cork chances, goal chances, which they made quite a few, there isn't that same desire to get back. And when I was playing, I would have always described Dublin as probably the best scramble defence in the country. And that's probably why they were so successful. You very rarely got fellas one-on-one, never mind got a straight run into space um, against Dublin. But now, you know, watching on is... What what's your take on them so far? And like that, like I don't want to be building up this too much because they're obviously going through the motions, maybe a small bit, but maybe they're not. Um, but you have to start picking up the pace eventually. Look, it is early days. Maybe we're right reading too much into it. What do you reckon? It definitely seems to me like they're going through the motions because they're extremely boring to watch. One of the most boring teams in the country to watch, really, because they're stuck in that old game plan that they had perfected under Jim Gavin and they were absolutely they were absolutely brilliant at it back then but they're not they're not as good at it now and they're they're still trying to stay with it and they're kicking short kickouts I don't think they kicked one kick out on top of Brian Fenton probably one of the best fetching midfielders in the country and they're hitting every kick out to the cornerbacks and Cork have absolutely no problem with that because Dublin can just work it up the field work it slowly and it's really really boring to watch so Dublin are, I think they're kind of just stuck in that old, a bit of a time warp where they're sticking with this old style, even though it's not working. And the players seem to be a little bit, a little bit even bored by it. And like th- their best players, even Kieran Kilkenny, he, he kind of seems completely stagnant even this year, just doesn't seem to be, I don't know, there's no real excitement about any of them. They're barely ever, as Lee said, they're barely ever kicking a ball into Conor Callahan. It's all working slow up the field. And I say the only reason they won that match yesterday was because they had the bit of class coming off the bench in James McCarthy, Jack Jack McCaffrey. Like Dublin should be an awful lot better than 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 Cork, you'd imagine, but they're just they seem to be kinda going through the motions definitely and uh it's not enjoyable to watch and it doesn't seem to be enjoyable for them to be playing in either. Yeah, like it is a strange one. Even I think Kieran Whelan uh, highlighted last night in the Sunday game, late on the game. And yeah, you could say they were trying to f- finish off the game or just eke it out. But conceding the kick out to Cork was very undubbing. Like they're always braver than that in terms of 
they'd have pushed right up, given you no easy option, put it out, put it out there and we'll win the breaks with a bit of hunger and intensity. But that wasn't there. But uh, Lee, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we won't keep drumming on about Dublin because look, it is early days and they could very easily kick into gear and we'll all be eating our words. But Cork were impressive. Um, Brian Hurley was outstanding all throughout the game, but there seems to be a bit more about him. Like, you know, they're very poor in the first game with, with the amount they conceded. Great win in Kildare. And I know moral victories don't count for much, but there was an awful lot to be positive about. And John Cleary, who I actually really like as a manager, I like his demeanour, I like the way he carries himself. Um, he has to be happy with the way things are going, the way it's shaping up now in Cork at the moment, Lee. No, of course. And like, he'll, listen, he'll be wanting to get uh, points on the board because I'd say promotion is very much on the agenda this season and they would have seen that nearly as a as an opportunity missed. But that's more to do with uh, where their goals and ambitions are. You know, they 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 have belief um, in their manager and in the way that they play football. Like you sort of talked about um, the, the forwards that they've got now. Like we mentioned Stephen Sherlock before in this podcast. I thought they sort of did a good job of keeping him quiet, but he's always going to pop up with the freeze and the and the big kicks. Um, Brian Hurley's been there for so long and, you know, he's like, if we're being really honest, he, he's been an, a, a part of a lot of really poor uh, Cork teams, uh, Cork teams where, you know, they didn't have that same belief, they didn't have maybe the, the expectation, you know, or a little bit of uh, fan base really believing in them. Um, so now it's good to see the best of him, you know, get a good team around him and we can really see him uh, sort of explode onto the scene a little bit more and, and get the big games that he deserves to be in. Um they were just so direct as well at times. You know, it was so good to see. Do you remember when Dublin were so dominant and like we talked about the robotic style and stuff and, and whatever, but they had such an aura about them that teams would just sit back because they were so terrified, you know, of what this Dublin team could do to them. And Because the game could be lost, you know, in the opening 10, 15 minutes if you let them get at you. But to see a Cork team go to, you know, to Dublin and, and uh, really get at them and, and be brave with everything. And even when they did, you know, they got the sending off and they uh, sort of give away a lead. They they still kept going, still kept like sort of attacking the crossbar. You know, every time they got the ball, they, they were really going for it. It, it, was, it was inspiring nearly to watch, you know, that like uh, they weren't going to just lie down and try not to get beat by too much, you know, but ha- have a bit of bravery, a bit of courage. And this is the time of year, the year to do it as well, because not that it's only the league, but uh, if you're going to sit down and, and work out the kind of football that you're going to play this season, and if they're going to go into the Monster Championship with any real ambitions of beating Kerry, then they're going to have to go at teams like Dublin and the sort of bigger names. Yeah, and before we wrap it up, um, it would be kind of strange to go through that game without mentioning the red cards. Um, and look, I know we'd be preaching on about give respect, get respect to referees, but the Ian Maguire one, we'll go to league end after, but just it was set with the Ian Maguire one. The fouls he got booked for, and now the referee would probably say, Oh, it was his second or his third. They're not even fouls. They're like, So I go out to Jersey, pull technically, it's like ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And I know, look, the referee wasn't laughing when he when he gives her a cap, but he, it comes across that way that he's smiling about it or laughing. Like, I know that was obviously just his face that he had done. He hardly was laughing and smiling about it. But it looked like he was there. Ha ha. Do you know? But it, Lee Gannon was always going to get the second yellow there. Not because there was anything in it. There was nothing in it. Um, he did whatever and would have done. Powder looked like he was actually shaving up, hitting my shoulder, and he stood his ground. But he was always going to get it after the Ian Maguire one. But the Ian Maguire two yellow cards, 
absolutely shocking stuff. Yeah, Lee Gannon was probably a bit silly. He he probably should have known at that stage that if he did anything wrong, that the referee was going to look to to level it up a small bit, and he probably gave him the ammunition that he was looking for there. And I know Powder probably he he made the most of it. Uh, I don't know if he was hit hit hard enough to to look like he was as hurt as he was. But um, the, yeah, the Ian Maguire one, like if you were Ian Maguire in that situation, you'd be you'd be bullying like because he was having a good game and. Cork were going well and be sent off then at that stage. Um, I'd say he was absolutely bullying because, um, as Brian Hurley said in, in his post-match interview, he'd only committed three fouls in the match. And the first one, it was barely even It was barely even a, a flick on, on, on the wrist. And, and Dean Rock, he didn't even... He was, I think he was even surprised that it was called back for a free. So, um, yeah, you always hate to be given out about refs, but it was... Um, there were two two mad decisions really from from Seamus Mulhair and um, Ian McGuire. Like uh, uh, you, you could say, I don't know, did it change the game that much? I suppose, yeah. Well, in Sp- Dublin did come on top um, a few minutes after the Ian McGuire one, but then Gannon was sent off to sort of level it up, and from there it kind of the game really took off, I suppose, because there was a bit of extra space with fourteen men on both sides, and Cork had nothing to lose and. Having kind of struggled just after half time, they started to come back into the game then, and that was with that that brilliant Matty Taylor goal that kind of got them going again. So, um, look, it's disappointing. You don't want to be always talking about refereeing decisions, but um, that was definitely a bad one, and Ian McGuire will be disappointed about. Yeah, we'll we'll probably get back to refereeing decisions a bit later on because there's a couple of other calls in other games as well that we'll probably highlight later if we have, if we have time. And obviously, in the ladies' game, there was a. There was a, an incident shown repeatedly on social media, which was just insane. But that's a whole rule change that needs to happen there. But unfortunately for me, we're going to have to go west. We're going to have to go to McHale Park and Mayo versus Kerry. Um, Mayo, the opposite of Dublin, um, they seem to be a team very exciting to watch, full of energy, finally have a position for Aidan Shea, and they're using him. They're getting the best out of him. Um, I'm happy enough to say that we would have all said on this podcast last year as well that you have a player like that, you keep him inside the danger zone. Not only does he occupy his man, but you could see it in the game Saturday night. He occup- Everybody else was worried about him as well. So not only was he drawing his own man, but there was a second and a third man coming to him. That was opening space. He has great hands, great awareness, great vision. Um. But we won't keep on about him too much. But from Mayo's point of view, Lee, they must be delighted. They're they're kind of balancing the running style with a bit of a quicker kicking game as well. Um, you're trying to, you're you've a what what do you call it? What is it, Lee? Mixed day ball. I was getting so many texts about mixed day ball <laughs> Saturday night. I can hardly watch it again. Yeah, I'm trying to coin this phrase, mixed day ball. It's the it's all about balance. You said you said balance there. That's probably the best word to to describe it because um, uh, obviously they were so well drilled in their running game and and so much of their threats will come more nearly from the back line than anything. But uh, this this balance of like their their kick pass and and then still being able to mix it with their running game and sort of making right decisions nearly is is what's uh, bringing them forward so much. Uh, you actually said it to me. It was sort of one of the probably best attributes of this sort of type of football is that the, the defence gets to like save its legs almost, you know, they're not gassed from just 
doing what's effectively a massive beep test, you know, running up and down, you know, bombing forward when they have the ball, sprinting back when they lose the ball to get the turnover, you know, they can nearly pick and choose their moments a little bit better. And then because they're releasing the ball earlier as well, the forwards are getting it. You've got, you've already mentioned Aidan O'Shea, who's brilliant at winning ball, brilliant at winning fouls and linking up the play. And then the likes of Jordan Flynn, who's just... He's come on so much this season already. Like, I mean, it's it's super, super early days, obviously, but I can't think of a player who's hit the ground running in the league quite like he has. You know, he, he's grabbing games by the scruff of the neck and really attacking teams. It's it's exciting to watch, like, and it is all down to that balance. And we've sort of said this before, like, you know, everyone's like, Mayo, they don't have this marquee forward or they don't have enough shooters. It's all too, like, reliant on Killian O'Connor. But, you know, you look at the names that the Halley team's car as well, uh, Ryan O'Donoghue scored a fantastic goal, a lovely little chip, a very inventive goal. They give brilliant names up there, and maybe it was more the type of football wasn't getting the best out of them. Um, and this one seems to definitely be getting a little bit more. And it's it's exciting to see for sure because no matter what Kerry team are put out in front of you at the end of the day, you know it's it's the All Ireland champions are coming to town, and you've got to make a statement. And and it was a huge one they made. Yeah, hundred percent, Lee. And um, no, you like another big change. Connor Loftus going into centre back, I think, has been brilliant too. I kind of more used to see him further up the field, but he's a big, strong, physical guy, and he likes to obviously kick forward, but keep going, engage the the backs end, but with being a trailer trail runner. Um, he was very impressive again the last day, and Lee was saying it there as well. Now you name out the forwards, like we're we're kind of sick of saying, oh, Mayo don't have the forwards, but. You name out the forwards there, James Carr, Aidan Shea, Ryan O'Donnell, that's just three. Obviously, Killian O'Connor's to come back in, Conroy to come back in. I've just banged out five names there, and I didn't even mention Jordan Flynn, who was head and shoulders above everyone the weekend. You have good players, and if you can get the ball into them quick enough and give them that extra second on the ball, which they haven't had the last number of years because of their running style, they're going to do damage. Now, there was a big period in that game where they didn't score, and that's an area that I'm sure McStay will be looking to improve on. But, Niall, from first three games, McStay must be very happy. He seems to have got the balance right, and it wasn't until maybe midway through the second half where Kerry started chipping in with a couple of scores, but the game was well and truly over at that stage. Yeah, definitely. Mayo had uh, Mayo had a job done at that stage, and they could nearly... I know Mayo fans will be the, the last people to to put the feet up, but they nearly could at that stage because um they were so far ahead and and they were playing so well. Um it never it never really looked like Kerry were going to get back into the game. But um yeah, you like it, you said that about getting the ball into O'Shea, O'Donoghue and getting it into them quick. And that's exactly what Mayo were doing. There there was a lot of times maybe it wasn't kick passing, but they were fisting it into O'Shea. And he's a brilliant man to win it. There's Ryan O'Donoghue's breaking off him. James Carr is breaking off him. And the two boys are are brilliant finishers and they're on form at the moment. And I suppose when you couple that with the lads in the backs, like it's the, the style has probably changed. This this Max Dayball, as Lee has has coined it, it, it has changed from from what we've seen from Mayo for so many years, which was which was the backs running with the ball. And bursting forward, bombing on up the field, but and then the forwards—they're always waiting, and maybe they don't get the ball quick enough. But they are getting it quick now, and they're making—they're making a count. Like the perfect example, I suppose, was was Dermot O'Connor breaking through, giving the the quick ball to James Carr, and he does what he does—he finishes it so quick, 
before the goalie even thinks he's going to shoot, he he has it stuck in the net. Um, so there's a brilliant there's a brilliant style there, and I suppose it's it's probably quite the opposite to what we've seen what we were talking about with Dublin earlier. But I suppose the one caveat you'd have to put with it is the fact that um, Kerry were a, a long way off, and um, Jack O'Connor did mention it in his post match interview that they are. They are a little bit off the pace on the back of the team holiday and I suppose winning the All-Ireland last year. So, um, like, whenever Mayo play Kerry in the championship, this will all be forgotten about. Um, We'll probably, will we even remember Mayo beating Kerry in the league? But um, I suppose Kerry, yeah, I don't know, is is it something for them? Are they worried at this stage? Is it, are they just a bit off the pace? Will that come quick enough? Um. All that sort of contributes to to why Mayo won so handsomely, but I suppose there are a few questions for Kerry that uh, if they're missing David Clifford, if that man was to get injured, where would Kerry be? Yeah, look, from a Kerry point of view, look, I think everybody knows they were a bit late coming back with the team holiday. I do think with the format of the season now, the team holiday can't be December, January because you're actually coming back too late and you're playing catch-up. And there's no there's no block between the league and the championship where you can get your fitness work done anymore. So you kind of have to do it between games, which is very difficult because if you're doing fitness work between games, you can't be fresh and hopping off the ground. Look, I, I look the fitness will come for Kerry. I'm not too bothered about that. Um, the big worry, and I think Jack... If Jack was to be worried about anything was with the Santa League and with the players he was missing, you look at it, David Clifford, Paddy Clifford, Shawnee Shade, a tree, we call them the hot shots and carry the, the big names. And then you have Paul Ganey, Stephen O'Brien, who were starting last year and have been around for a long time. At the moment, them five walk back in. Fit or not fit, you throw them in. Darren O'Connor, who was out injured. Because midfield's worry would probably go there, but if he if midfield wasn't a worry, he'd go into the wing forward spot. And that's your six forwards, despite fellas getting ample opportunity in the first three games. I think the biggest worry for Jack at the moment is fellas got an opportunity, fellas who've been around for a while got an opportunity to come in and show if David's away or if Sean is away, I can step up. I have we look, we know they're good footballers, but being a good footballer doesn't cut it. You need to have that bit of something, that bit of doggedness, that bit of bit of nastiness sometimes, a bit of nastiness that you can go in and you can win the ugly ball, you can be the match winner. We spoke about it off air for Galway and we'll go on to it later. Um, Matthew Tierney the weekend, no Comer, no Shane Walsh. Not only was he kicking great scores, they needed a kick out, he went out and won them. I don't think Jack got that from anybody in the first three games. Other than David comes on at halftime, kicks a great score. What's he do? He gives his man a bit of a, a dunt, pushes into the ground. No, we don't want to encourage it, but it was a case of, I'm here now. I'll be bullying you, not you bullying me. Do you know? Um, I don't think he got that from anyone. And another worry is, what Mayo did very well is they engaged Tyg Morley. Tyg was brilliant last year as a sweeper, really protected Kerry. Teams are finding out now. You engage him, that middle is open. Um so Lee, there are a lot of things for Kerry to work to worry about, not just fitness. Fitness will come, there'll be no mm-hmm. bother there. But will they have to maybe 
tweak it a small bit because what worked last year mightn't work this year. Yeah, no, that's it. And then you've got the likes of, you, you sort of mentioned about maybe a, a lack of leadership and stuff, you know, when, when big names are missing. And then also, you know, David Moore won't be there this year, another person who's been around for a long time. Um, and in, in the contrast to that with even Mayo, uh, like Killian O'Connor, I know he's coming back from injury and stuff, but like it's, he's struggling to get back into the team. You know, that, that role as an impact sub might actually be, you know, where he'll be best employed or deployed this season. And that's because the forwards like James Carr and Ryan O'Donoghue and stuff, when they've got their opportunity, they're taking it. And it's it's really hard for Kevin McStay to, to make an argument to take them out of the team, uh, to bring O'Connor straight back in. And that's not the case with Kerry, you know, like, you, a clever to walk into any team that's an obvious one but you'd already mentioned it but and um, the other players when they come back and Shawnee O'Shea and stuff but it, it is a little concerning you know you, you can't really re- rest on your laurels and you can't sort of the longer you go and say ah but these lads are coming back you know the, the league starts to slip away like these games come so thick and fast and uh, points need to get put on the board or you'll find yourself in a really awkward position and then in terms of their style of football um, it's not so much the care that we find out it's not you know they didn't tag Morley as the sweeper and engaging them is, is an interesting one for sure like is that an area that opposition teams will see now and try to attack and how does Jack O'Connor uh, adjust himself to that we give Paddy Talley a lot of praise last season you know being involved and sort of uh, taking charge of the defensive setup and things you know but Paddy Talley like because of all the emphasis and all the the sort of credit that he's gotten um, since the All Ireland win, now it's something that you know opposition teams are looking at and and they're seeing. Well, how does he set up, and then what's the best way to counter that? And the thing about getting all the way to an All Ireland final and, and being so successful is that you're there for everyone to see. You know, and they're the most watched team in the country. Um, so if you get a little bit more uh, on stage for people to figure you out. And th- there are definitely, definitely problems for, for Jack O'Connor and, and slight concerns. I mean, I wouldn't be hitting the panic button by any means, but uh, he's got, it, it'll be a real test of him to see how he uh, reacts to this. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, David Moran. And uh, one of the things that stood out for me, obviously I think Kerry were well beaten midfield. Um, the last thing, obviously midfield is a bit of a worry at the moment. Obviously he's gone, Darren O'Connor has been injured. Um, but if you look at the second goal that Kerry, I won't say conceded, I won't say that Mayo scored, that Kerry gave away. Um, that ball that Ty kicked into the middle, yeah, look, it was a bad pass and these things happen. But that pass wouldn't happen if Dave Moran's there because if you go back over all the games, it's going back over years, that ball was always David. David would come back, get that ball, and he's not looking for a little 20-yarder. He's looking further in. He's looking, how can we get straight on the attack with a 40, 50 yarder? He's looking into the danger zone. And I think that's something that's been missing with Kerry. Against Mayo, again, the last, they found it hard to get out. Obviously, Mayo bringing intensity and they had the legs on Kerry, but they were missing that person who'd come back and link the play properly. And then, like you've been watching Dave for years, first thing he does with the head is up. So while he's taking his play again, his steps, his head is up and he's scanning and he's looking. And as a forward, you are moving when David has it because you know what does Dave want to do? He wants to kick it. Whereas I don't think that understanding is there at the moment and that slows it down. And obviously against the Mayo, with their intensity, it's like shooting fish in a barrel for them. It's just tackling practice and they're very good at that. Um, So look, there's a lot to work on for Kerry. They will be very disappointed, um, I'd imagine, next weekend against Armagh 
it'll be be great atmosphere under lights and tree it's always very good but he'll be looking for a performance and I, I've no doubt to be honest look you know the crack when you're playing with better players you automatically be automatically become better so they'll have Shawnee starting they'll have David they'll have Paddy straight in another big loss is Breen Begley he's not a guy who not only is a good defender he's a great outlet for for our own kickouts but he's spiky he likes to get stuck in and I think he's been a big loss but um we'll stay we'll stay down the west we'll stay in Connacht and Seeing as you have decided to ruin my Monday, Lee, I'm going to ruin your Monday. So it was a big game. Um, Galway, Tyrone. Galway hadn't been going great. Tyrone, we thought, had turned the corner last weekend. And I said it off air. I was going to put out a tweet about how impressive the Tyrone team looked on paper, especially the forwards. They had that great balance of a bit of size in, right in the middle and full forward, centre forward, McCurry and Canavan in the corners, that bit of bit of class, bit of skill. And then in the wing forwards, McGeary and Myler, two of the most athletic guys around. Lee, what? where's it going wrong for him? Because look, last year maybe a hangover from the All-Ireland. This year, right, they had a good win against Donegal, but I think Donegal have showed that Barr beating a poor Kerry team on the first day, they're not going great. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can carry out it with is that uh, Toronto historically have always been really poor in the league. Um, I don't think they've won a Division 1 since 2003, Mickey Hart's first year, which is a, a long, long time. So they always uh, they always struggle in the league, sort of avoid relegation later on, and then try to kick on in the championship. But this season's different because just of how poor last year was and, and how disappointing it was. Like I think everyone was expecting pretty much an immediate uh, kick up the backside, especially because last season ended so early, with partly because they went out early, and then partly because of the split season. Do you know, it's like, like six months or something, you know, before they really played last their last game. Um, so you're expecting that they would be almost ready made, you know, a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, I know they'd only go back to training in November, but I'm, I no doubt they'd have meeting after meeting, and I don't want to get all uh, uh, doomsday just because of an uh, another defeat, but. The first half was so disappointing. So, like, they were up against a really tough breeze, but uh, Galway took the best of opportunities. Like, when, you, when you're playing against the team and you're against the breeze, I I mean, I don't know. Galway knew they, they, they tried to take all their shots within the D, you know, and, and be sort of safe with it. But, like, they, it was just nearly so passive in the defence when they were getting there. Every time they kicked it in, I thought Potty Hanshee played really well. He was probably one of our brighter sparks in defence, at least. Uh, Cormac Monroe had a good did a good job in fullback as well. He seems to be, uh, he, he could be a mainstay for the Tyrone team this season. But I don't know, they're just so gappy when it comes to defence. And then in the second half, they uh, they really started, you know, they started to kick on. They did this again in, in the last couple of games and in the McKenna Cup final against Derry. Uh, that sort of third quarter, they seemed to get a real spark and they started to put together a, a lot of scores. They got it down to one point. And then it's as soon as Galway respond in any sort of form, they just take their foot off the paddle again. Like, it was a bit strange. Um, so, from a Tyrone point of view, it's just disappointing. You know, like, it was, there was an opportunity here to go away and get at a Galway team that's a bit weak and get some points on the board, really build confidence going forward, uh, and just sort of change the narrative already. Let's go, yeah, last season was a one-off, you know, but, like, the more that these games and these inconsistencies happen, then the more that narrative sort of hangs over their head. Uh, Galway, on the other hand, too, you just got to give them credit. They were fantastic. You, we already mentioned Matthew Tierney stepping up. Uh, their kickouts were brilliant. 
Peter Cook, he, he was starting at uh, centre half forward, I think he was number 11, but he was just sort of waiting on that right flank for every kick out. They sort of overloaded like a pocket and they were hitting him and Tierney every time and, and they were just so successful with it. They have so, some serious athleticism and it's just all the more impressive when you consider that they're missing Shane Wallace and Damian Comer. Yeah, uh, Niall, like that with Tyrone, it is hard to put your finger on it and I won't jump the gun again this week because oh, they'll end up winning next week. But from a Galway point of view, the was pressure coming into this game. Um, they hadn't been playing well. You know, they hadn't much luck up to now. They were down their two main boys in Comer and Walsh. Tyrone were coming off the, the back of a big win. We're coming down probably with a bit more confidence than they have been playing playing them. But Joyce will be absolutely delighted because they were very good the weekend, uh, Niall. So like the big thing is this time of year when you're down bodies, you want other players to step up and Galway had no shortage of that. Well that's exactly what we were talking about with uh with Kerry there that there Jack O'Connor was looking for boys to step up to fill the gaps left by Clifford O'Shea and he didn't really get it. Before Joyce definitely did because he had Matthew Tierney was the man to match and, and he was exceptional. As you said, Darren, he wasn't just kicking some great scores. He was catching kickouts and he was a real target for kickouts. And I suppose Tierney is a lad, like everyone knows how skillful he is and like what a brilliant footballer he is. But maybe he doesn't have, like he's not, he's obviously not as fast as some of the players that are out there in inter-county football these days. So this is another way to get the best out of him to lump kickouts down on top of him because he's well able to win them. And Galway have, it's not just Tierney, they've Paul Conroy, and when they've Paul Conroy, Peter Cook and Killy McDade, they've some of the best fetchers around. Like So um, I think Power Choice would be absolutely delighted with that win yesterday. Down Walsh and Comer, and lots of boys stepping up. It wasn't just Tierney. Uh, I thought Dylan McHugh was absolutely exceptional. Uh, the Tyrone boys couldn't stick with him when he put the foot down. He has unbelievable speed. And... The same, as we all know, with Sean Kelly, he can just turn the burners on and he leaves boys, he leaves fast boys looking really, really slow. Like, and he's, he can do that at any time. Like, so what a brilliant player he is. Kyle Sweeney stepped up. He came on at halftime and kicked three points, kicked one absolutely brilliant point when, when he won the ball in the middle of the field. Um, so it was, it was, it was brilliant from Galway. It was a, a big win for them because they had a rocky start to the league. Um, but it does, it puts Tyrone in a in a difficult enough position now because it looks like themselves, themselves Monaghan and Donegal are probably <clears throat> the three favourites for relegation at this stage. So Tyrone and Monaghan will be a huge game in three weeks' time. And uh, with Monaghan improving uh, this week, uh, uh, Tyrone will be under pressure that day. Yeah, like Dan, I think we're just, on, just touching on Sean Kelly. I remember chatting with Finian Hanley last on the podcast and obviously he's in full back and he was saying, by right, they preferred him out to have him out the field and he has had a bit more license in this opening couple of games to go forward. And like you said, um, when he gets going, there's not many that stick with him and he's, he's been able to show a bit of pace and a bit of skill to go in and create scores and get a couple of scores himself. But from Tyrone's point of view, it doesn't get any easier. They're back west next weekend um, against a Mayo team that seemed to be getting stronger. Look, we're not going to overhype them here, but it, it is worrying enough for Tyrone. I do think they'll have enough to stay up after my initial relegation thing. I just think that Donegal, and even though Monaghan, they look good the weekend, I just think they've probably 
just avoided relegation. Um, maybe one year too many, and I think this year we'll catch him. But we'll go straight on to Monaghan, Monaghan Donegal. Um, this was a big match, and it was a must-win for Monaghan. Obviously, I think if they didn't get points here, they're more or less done and dusted. But um, Lee, what you make of it? Um, Donegal, Don McBrearty, not sure how long he's going to be out for, but a few other lads stepped up for him. Yeah, yeah, um, it'll be kind of worrying now if you were a Donegal fan. It's, it's obviously not the great position here as a Jerome man, but Donegal do seem to be in sort of dire straits. Uh, in terms of Monaghan, that, that's sort of the perfect response that they would have wanted after such a, a passive display against Kerry. Uh, Jack McCarran came back into the team and I thought he was fantastic. Um, he brought sort of like a leadership and a bit of steeliness, you know, um, and then that, that bit of gale as well, like when the game was sort of in the melting pot, because it was sort of... Uh, nip and tuck for the first half and a little bit into the second before Monaghan started to sort of stretch out their lead and then they would have took real buoyancy and, and like um, joy too from seeing the likes of Conor McManus coming back onto the field uh, I, I'm not even going to guess what age he is now I know he's in his 30s I should have looked it up but you know the, the fact that he's still there and still doing the job I think he came on and scored two points um, and he'll probably be starting next week so you know Monaghan like after a good performance players coming back you know there's a lot to be positive about and Donegal are sort of the opposite of that they started well and they it's dip after dip and now their their talisman's out injured I know Michael Langan came back and he scored uh, four points from play and you know what a monster of a man he is but they just look like they just seem out of ideas or something you know and Michael Murphy's obviously it's just missing him in the dressing room I, I imagine uh, pushing things on in, in training and stuff. It, it must be absolutely massive to have a figure who's been there, I think, since like 2007 and so iconic and so synonymous with Donegal football to be missing. New management coming in. Like, there's a lot of tasks that uh, Donegal have to uh, get by here and so many hurdles that, that are stepped in front of them. It just makes you wonder that, like, maybe relegation just wouldn't be the... No, no Donegal fan will thank me for saying this, but it, it might not be the worst thing for them and, and being in Division 2 next year and then building from there, it, it, it could sort of be a blessing in disguise. Not that I'm relegating them or anyone. I'll not make that mistake as you made, Tar. No, we're going to we're gonna highlight that. That's going to be the heading <laughs> now after this podcast. But uh, no, sometimes you actually do have to go backwards to go forward, especially when you are in that kind of transitional period, obviously, we keep going on about Michael Murphy leaving and it's only one player, but he was such a big player. And sometimes like that, sometimes you do have to go backwards, go forwards. But in fairness to Monaghan, they have disability when everyone's writing them off and they look like they're done and dusted that they just keep driving, they keep plowing on and they have warriors there. You named a few of them, but Darren Hughes, the last day, was outstanding and he's just such like he's such a big player for him. We talked about McCarran coming back and how good he was. But now you just can't beat fellas with and it's not even about ability. And no I know all these players have ability. It's more about attitude. When things aren't going well, do you have players with attitude? And I think Monaghan have that. But I do think um probably lacking a bit of quality around the place. But in fairness to the likes of Darren Hughes, Conor McManus, these fellas not only do they have the ability, they have this attitude, this doggedness, this toughness that when things get hard, difficult and tough, give me the ball, I'll plow on, I'll win a free just to get us back into the game. And that's vital. 
They've shown that so many times before when people are writing them off and saying Monaghan are going to go down. And they're the, they're the second longest team in Division 1, uh, just behind Kerry. Uh, Peter Canavan said it on the Sunday game last night. He said, everyone's expecting Monaghan to go down, but they've done it before and they could they could easily do it again. Um, the way things are going, they've they've... I suppose all the talk is about Jordan Flynn and maybe Ben O'Carroll is one of the players of the league, but I think one of the finds of the league so far has been Stephen O'Hanlon for Monaghan. He's been a man who's been on the team, um, on and off the team, I suppose, for the last few years. Uh, but this year, he has he's kicked three points from play in two games, two from play the first day, um, and he's been absolutely exceptional. He has brilliant speed and... There's, there's very few defenders are able to stick with him when he gets that ball out in the half-forward line. I know that um, when he was younger, he was on a, a basketball scholarship out in, out in America. So this man is is unbelievably athletic, but he seems this year to have added uh, the bit of finishing to his game. And um, he, he's been brilliant and a huge, huge addition to Monaghan. Um, to get Jack McCarron back from that hamstring injury, when he when he went down, the fir- I think it was four minutes into the, their first game, like that was disastrous because Jack McCarron is there. He's taken over from McManus as the talisman now, as far as I can see. Uh, he's he's absolutely brilliant and he was on fire yesterday, just like nearly like a ballerina dancing around the place when he gets the ball, and nobody knows what way he's going to go. His left foot is unbelievable as well. So I think I think Monaghan have a bit of. Um, potential there and I think yesterday's performance when they needed it will um will stand to them because Sean Jones came on as a sub he's a young man who's had um some terrible luck with injuries in the last few years as well his hamstrings have uh kept him out of a lot of football but he came on and scored one two um McCarron got seven points McManus came on and got two points um you've obviously Connor McCarthy Michal Bannigan there Kieran Duffy I think he's he deserves a shout out as well. He's their full back and he comes up to kick a score nearly every game um, for Monaghan. So, and as you mentioned, Darren, they have they have the characters and they have that spirit, and that's why it's it's no like it's it's no it's no secret why they've they've stayed up in Division One for so long. Like it's clear that these boys do not want to go down and they'll fight until the bitter end. Um, to, to stop it so I think I think we could be in for another great escape from Monaghan again yeah and like sometimes you'd be you'd be wary of putting it down to character and attitude because people are like, oh, that's very basic but like all these inter-county players are good footballers and good footballers are great when things are going well but when when things aren't going well or you need something just to get you out of a hole. It does come down to very simple things and it is attitude and that bit of doggedness and a bit of bravery and character. And in fairness to Monaghan, look, we've more or less been relegating them since the start, but that's been going on for a couple of years and they seem to pull it out of the bag. So like, if they were to survive this year, I wouldn't be that shocked. Um, they've been in this position before. They have the characters who are used to it, used to dogging out wins. So, like, who's to know? Like, if they do um, survive, it'll be a big dog going down because another team who most tipped to go down were Ross Common. They were the National League yo yo team. But the job that Davy Burke and Mark McHugh are doing above, um, unbelievable. Another big win. Um, 
kind of hard to figure out our mat at the moment. In the first half, times I thought they were going to pull away. And then Ross Common, like that, it, I hate to come back to the word attitude. Obviously, they have great footballers as well. But their attitude is unbelievable. Like, they just keep going, Lee. And it doesn't matter how much the other team come at them. They're able to go dig deep, go again, like they did against Tyrone. It was similar again the weekend. Yeah, I mean, like we, we talked before about, like, you know, managers coming in and you get a bounce off them. But I, I he just must be the most inspirational person ever because, like, they, they seem to have a serious steeliness and, and belief about them that, and, you know, I'm not getting at them, but, like, historically it hasn't been there. You know, it's not even like they've got real, a lot of past experience to really, like, uh, you know, get that sort of courage and, and uh, confidence from. But he's got it in them now, and, and it's coming. It's got to the point now where, although they would have went into this season thinking safety is top priority, but, like, when you're on this sort of role and you're beating the teams that you're beating and everyone else around you looks like, you know, they've got some sort of excuse hanging over them, you know, whether it's an experimentation phase or a team's waiting for players to come back, they, they must be looking at the sort of the lay of the land and thinking there's a league title here, you know, potentially. Now, whether or not they'll even want it, because I think they'd have to play Mayo in the Connacht Championship pretty much the week after. But um, I'd say if you ask them players, if, if the opportunities there, they'll be going for it. Um, they've just been fantastic, they're, and they're they're so joyous to watch as well. You know, it's brilliant. Like the if you didn't watch Gaelic football before, you know, and you were to show them this league, they'd be saying, "Well, that Ross Common team must be winning everything all the time because of the uh, not just the fact that they're winning games, but but the manner in which they're doing it as well. It's it's, it's great to see." Yeah, and Niall, I suppose we actually praised Ross Common a good bit last year for their style they're able to play this running style and kicking style and kind of alternate between the two. Um, but flicking on to Armagh, can you... They're just not hitting the ground at all this year. They, came to, they seem to be showing glimpses and then going backwards. It's hard to figure them out so far for a team who I figured would be ready to go and absolutely bouncing after the year they had last year. Yeah, they're showing glimpses, Darren, like the... I'd say they would have been happy with where they were sitting in that game at half time. Um, they were going well and they'd done well, but it just it it when it came down to it towards the finish, they kind of botched these good chances that they had. Um, Reen O'Neill, that was probably a it was a bit of a it was a difficult one in fairness, the one that he gave to Stephen Campbell. Maybe he'd have better he'd been better off taking a shot himself because it was an awkward sort of a pass to take on. But they botched a lot of chances like that. Um. Duffy, Jason Duffy had a few wides and O'Neill ballooned a few into the sky. So did Stephen Campbell. And when when they kept missing the chances, that kind of gave Roscommon, even though they were a small bit out of the game, that gave Roscommon the bit of, I suppose, the bit of encouragement that they, they still had the lead. And if, if they kept doing what they were doing, that they were going to win this game. Um, they might have been a small bit lucky in that sense that, that Armagh didn't capitalise on, on them. But... Um, they were very impressive apart from that. And Roscommon, I suppose the the thing about them is that they've they've brought so many new players to the and so so many of their new players have, have really stepped up. Like so they were in the they were in the All Ireland under twenty final against um Offaly two years ago and there was six six of that team were playing yesterday. Um including the the goalie who who looks Connor Carroll who looks very safe between the posts. Um, Keith Doyle was a, an animal in midfield there yesterday 
and he took one of the the most <laughs> definitely a very valuable black card you'd have to say when he took Reen O'Neill out of it um he was he was tapping the ref in the back and nearly thanking him for giving the black card after that but that was something that he had to do um Dara Craig came on Dylan Ruan's another one and uh Colin Walsh was a lad he was the captain of that under 20 team and he came on and I thought he was very impressive as well and sure that's not even mentioning Ben O'Carroll who um he's been one of the players of the league. He's just a real, a real fast and a fast player and a brilliant finisher as well. And that was something Roscommon needed. And he showed a bit, a bit of cleverness there to win that penalty as well. Um, when they really needed it. And, uh, and the Smith was never going to miss. Um, so yeah, it's all looking good for the Rossies. They're flying high. Yeah. I do think the most impressive thing is the players that they've brought through and, like in fairness to Davy Burke and Mark McHugh and the management team, they had a lot of lads playing Sigerson as well, and they've managed them well, and they've given other lads opportunities. And we talked about it with a lot of teams, gave fellas opportunities. Some counties players haven't taken it, but Roscommon the players have. All of a sudden, they're looking strong. Their strength and depth is getting better. They look confident. You even see the reaction now. Maybe a bit much. People are say by Davy Burke and Mark McHugh after. But it was a big win. What like bit of emotion, tree from tree. They were probably looking at just staying up, but they're more or less up and safe now at this stage. But like if I'm Ross Common, go for the league, win a league title, go into the Connacht Championship, absolutely buzzing with confidence. Um so look, it's been brilliant and they've been great to watch, great to see. Like you said, if it's your first time watching GA, you would think, geez, Ross Common must be the best team out there because their style of play is so good. Uh, Lee, they've just been they've been brilliant. They're embracing both sides of the game, the kicking and the running, and they're balancing the two. Like I think we mentioned it last year, they were one of the only teams that were able to do both styles in the same type of game. Like they could play the first half, playing the running game, and the second half they'd be kicking it long. Um, so onwards and upwards for Ross Common. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It makes the Connacht Championship that's that bit more exciting as well. You know, because all the you know we were talking about how outside of Ulster, maybe all the provincial championships are are dead ducks nearly. But uh, with Galway's raised last year, and you know Ross Common have been there and thereabouts, and they look like they've taken it up a new level. Mayo, you know, new manager playing exciting stuff too. Like the Connacht Championship is nearly the place to be. Like it's going to be fascinating to see going forward, and the more sort of big hitters and competitiveness we can bring in to these provincial championships then then all the better like you already mentioned I think it was two weeks ago about how as a carry man you're looking cork to come on you know and and, and make the monster championship something worth worth talking about but I'd say in Connacht um, the likes of Galway and, and Mayo are hoping Ross Common kind of stay down because they're a real threat coming forward and I, you know like first key like it's it's they're no longer just a banana slip team you know where they are oh, they can play really good football on their day but a bit inconsistent. If you get them on the wrong day, they, you can um, really get at them. They look like they've, they've formed together a serious amount of momentum and, and confidence in, in the way they play football. And they, you know, big big hopes for them this season. And like you say, they should definitely go for for a league title. And the the work, what that will do for them in terms of confidence and knowing that you know, look at the list of teams in Division One and look at the names that we've beat. You know, to say that we don't belong here is is a ridiculous thing. And we could go on and, and achieve great things here. Yeah, and like all the wins have been very impressive wins as well. But I suppose elsewhere, uh, down in Division 2, Derry and Mead, both teams were going in with two from two. Um, 
but it wasn't a good day at the office for Mead and Niall. They just didn't get going there. I think it was 40 out of 50 seconds that they got their first goal. Um, conditions were bad, but um, I think Derry just showed they're on the road that bit longer. They showed the, the trajectory they're on onwards and upwards, very businesslike. Um, yeah, and they just seem to be improving nicely again from last year. Yeah, yeah, it was um it was nearly it was like nearly watching men against boys there in that one. Derry were they're a team that are so so confident in their system and they seem to be even getting more confident as as the games go by and Meads were I suppose they're they're obviously only finding their feet and they were missing a f- missing Shane Walsh and Matthew Costello and a few other boys as well. So um it was always going to be a tough one, especially up in Owen Bag, but um they did. They were a small bit all over the shop, kind of. Brian Conlon and Ronan Jones were in in midfield, and they were kicking sort of wild sort of balls in. And I know we're always championing the the kick pass, but these were kick. They were kicking balls into lads. Jordan Morris, for example, he was he was inside, and they were kind of kicking balls into him that he had he had very little chance of winning, especially with the numbers that Derry had back. Um, but yeah, it was it was very impressive. From from Derry, they just seemed to be at ease, and they they won that game at will. Um, basically, Ethan Doherty was brilliant. Paul Cassidy uh, scored three points from play, and it's probably one of the one of the first times we've seen him um, step up with such a scoring contribution. But um, look, I suppose looking at this from the start of the league, Colm Rourke would probably have known that going up to own own Beg would have been um, a very difficult one. So um, it's not it's not completely disastrous for me if they can if they can bounce back. I thought they did show a bit of spirit towards the finish, and I didn't even think they would get that that goal. But they they worked it well enough there, so they didn't down tools completely, but they were just um, completely outclassed really. And uh, in fairness, Derry would would do that to to a lot of teams. Yeah, um, I'm going to jump straight away down to Kildare and Clare because I thought this was um, midway through the game. I thought, or midway through the second half, I thought Clare going to get a big win. And I thought Kildare, geez, they'll be in trouble now. Will they be able to stay up? Um, but they had a massive turnaround, Lee. Um, they were five down and a man down with 15 minutes to go and somehow managed to turn it around. Yeah, um, just introduce the Flynns. That was sort of the, the yeah. case of this match. You know, uh, Neil Flynn, Daniel Flynn uh, came in. They got six between them and uh, sort of saved Kildare's skin. And that's the sort of win that they'll get a lot of confidence from because I think, uh, you know, they take a lot of stick about maybe being sort of mentally shaken um, in other times because just because of how inconsistent that they've been. You know, we've seen them shoot the lights out and play some beautiful football and then we've seen them completely implode and, and play some disastrous stuff to be honest and, and not ever really seem to get going but uh, to come back you know from the dead in this sort of manner with uh, the clock ticking and all the pressure behind you and especially after uh, the per showing last time out this is the kind of thing you can you can really build on you, you know you can take that into the dressing room and say you know we're turning a corner here that it's all you use the word attitude a lot in this podcast and you know but that is what it is and it's something that you sometimes lose and you find again um and if they could just get that sort of steeliness that attitude and that never day or never say never kind of mentality 
and bring that in, you know, because they've got the footballers. We, we've always said that, like, we could just list that, the, their forward line alone, and um, it's so impressive. But that that mental strength uh, to bring a consistency and, and to never give up will, will be all the difference for this Kildare team, and hopefully they can push on now. Yeah, and look, I think um, we, we talked about the refereeing decisions in the Cork and the Dublin game, and it was just a clip I saw on Twitter this morning of... Uh, Emmett McMahon getting blown for a double hop after he kicked a great score <laughs> and they lost by a point but I watched it I don't know how many times I've watched it it's actually on here in front of me now and I'm watching again I'm like, how he thought there was two hops like these are like we're not going to bang on about referees but like, there's no sense like it's not like the steps argument where you can be sometimes you get lost in it but double hop you either hop it twice or you don't um, and there are things that are affecting games. So look, it was another bad decision in that game. Um, but like that attitude, fight, uh, character, you need that when things aren't going well. And Kildare got that. And you'd expect them to kick on from here. I think the chances of going up are fairly slim. No, probably impossible now with the two teams up the top. But um, they'll need to finish the league strong if they're going to put in any bit of a performance in the Leinster Championship. And in the all Ulster clash, down versus Fermanagh, I thought down were about to get another big win, Nile. Um, but Fermanagh came late with a great goal, or well, a poacher's goal we we'll call it. Um, so it's a good game, um, very high scoring, um, very entertaining game. So it'll be an interesting um, couple of weeks now for both teams. But I'm, I'm delighted to see the improvement in down this year, Nile. Yeah, you'd probably a fancy down to to win that one coming into it. Um, it was a, a bit of a, a sucker punch, I suppose, to to concede the late goal. But Sean Quigley, for him to be, he's still knocking around, and he's been quite a servant. That man has been for um, for Mana over the over the last ages. I know he's only he's only thirty one, but he's been there for for so long, and um, he's still coming up with the goods for them. So that was a, a huge win for. For Mana Down will be will be disappointed with how it ended, but um they do seem to be improving. They obviously had a great start. They did in the got got on great in the McKenna Cup and went well in the first few rounds of the league. But this will um take them down a peg or two. But they're playing well and um things are improving there. So um I don't think it will uh will will derail their season or anything like that. I think they'll be well able to to bounce back from it. Um in the next few weeks. Yeah, and like that, um, there'll be plenty more action and uh, plenty more ups and downs over the next couple of weeks. And just before we finish, uh, Lee, I might come to you. Jarrett Burns um, will be the new president. Um, right man for the job. I actually, you probably heard him as well. I heard him in an interview recently with Thomas Niblock. Um, he gave a great interview. But um, what do you reckon, Lee? Good appointment? Yeah, brilliant appointment, you know, just to see someone who's just genuinely so enthusiastic about, uh, you know, the GAA. And he's really, really wanted this job, you know, he's gone for it before. Um, and he, uh, I think it was Peter Canavan saying that this man's been on every sort of committee that you can be on. And, you know, <laughs> I, like, we've all been involved with club uh, politics and stuff. And, like, have you ever sat through them sort of club meetings and things, you know, and, and no, like they're almost clear that stuff. You should because they're impossible. <laughs> they're they're the most dur and like difficult and you know, and frustrating things to nearly be a part of. But uh the volunteers that do it, you know, they 
they're, it's so important that they do do it and, and that they iron these things out. And it's something that he thrives on. And it's just so good, too, to have someone with that uh, uh, caliber about him as well. And the fact that, you know, he, he, what a brilliant player he was. He captained Armada, their first Ulster title in so many years. He wasn't, he just missed out on that 02 team. He was just that won the All Ireland. He was just a, a little bit too old for it. And he's got a son who's actively playing, obviously, with, with Armada at the minute, you know. So this man is very much in touch, you know, with modern GAA and he understands what it's like to be a county footballer at the highest level. And he understands what it's like to be in the boardrooms with, you know, the volunteers and, and the, the mums and the dads and that are getting their kids through the underage and stuff, you know, he, he's got a real scope for everything. And he seems that his priorities are definitely in the right place. I thought one of the interesting things that he wants to bring in, and he's talked about it before, is sort of evening out the, the financial disparities, you know, within county uh, scene. Like he said that uh, the higher teams, they've got like sponsorships from corporate companies where the smaller teams have just got, you know, your sort of normal sponsorships like your pubs and your your uh, shops and stuff. But he sort of, I mean, how he would bring it in is it will, will be seen, but he, he was looking for like a mass sponsorship where the money could be sort of divided out evenly and uh, sort of help out the smaller count- counties, as they're called, you know, financially to get them into a state where they can compete with, with, with the bigger counties. And that would just be uh, a brilliant thing for the GA and all because the, the more competitive it is, the more enjoy- enjoyable it'll be and then the bigger you- return you'll get in terms of participation as well. So it, like it, he's obviously got it all to do. It was all brilliant saying and talking, but in, in theory going forward, like he seems like uh, the right man for the job. Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, it's exciting times. Um, so best of luck to him because look, it's, it's not an easy job and it's very hard to keep everyone happy. But like that, he seems to have very well-rounded individual who is open to seeing things from every every angle and from every perspective. So I think it'll be good. Um, so we're going to have a bit of hurling talk. Uh, Lee and Nyla, Levy, take that over. Um, just before you go, um, Darren, the, obviously the Fitzgibbon and the Sigerson finals were on at the, at the, during the week. Uh, UL won the hurling fairly comfortably. And UCC, they seem to be the team... The the dogs of war was what I seen them called in the Irish Times because they came through two extra times and two penalty shootouts to get to the final, and then they won the um the Sigerson final against UL in in extra time. So that was obviously a a great win for them during the week. Mark Cronin was he was the star of the show, kicking five points. But um I know uh you you love Darren looking back on on the glory days. So uh. You you had a great win in the Sigerson with DIT. It's it's their only ever Sigerson to win in twenty thirteen. So I suppose would you tell us a bit about what it's like for them UCC and UL boys who won the with their colleges this week? Yeah, just in terms of UCC and Billy Morgan, um, what he does with UCC is just incredible, and his career as a manager and a player obviously is exceptional. But uh, no, UCC are definitely the top dogs when it comes to Sigerson and. You know, having somebody on the sideline like Billy Morgan with his attitude, and I've only met him in passing a few times, but he was always a gentleman. And I know the Kerry lads who have been up in UCC are stone mad for him. Um, mm. So I can just imagine his influence when things are going tough, that his personality comes across with the boys. So in fairness, it was a great win. Um, yeah, like that, I, I did a bit of time up in DIT and we were lucky enough to win a Sigerson. But it was a great experience uh, got, getting to play with players from 
other counties and I was um I would have known Aidan O'Shea obviously for me I was playing at the same time and I always slag him that it took him I was like what took you so long because obviously it was my first year with DIT we were none and we won it and I'd always slag him that it took me coming up to help him win it but um no look it's a great experience you meet great people um um you know even the players you're involved with you know you get to know them um the management Billy O'Loughlin there who was involved with Wicklow last year, um, does a lot of coaching. They have county teams underage with Leash. Um, Sean Fox was the manager. Do you know, you just get to meet, meet so many people, and it is a great buzz. But obviously, with the timing, I was up in Dublin traveling down for Kerry for league games. Do you know, it probably don't, it doesn't have the social aspect maybe that it used to have because of the way, even then, the way it was, like the league had started and you're kind of in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, it was actually I, I like it was winter football, so it's not my favorite time here. And it was actually that was the start of my uh, my hip injury that year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when it all started. So there was a good couple of games where I was in Shea. Actually, every interview he gives, he he likes to throw in how I was cramping after ten minutes, but it wasn't quite <laughs> ten minutes. But um, yeah, that was where that was actually the, the year the, the injury started for me. Actually, so I blame the Sigerson win on that, but. Um, no, it's a great experience and like that I think they're talking about doing a bit of a reunion um oh. this year actually. So it'd be nice to go up and meet some of the lads. Did you get to celebrate it like that night or do you remember much of that? Or like was it straight back down the road kinda training or whatever for a match at the weekend? No, we, we went out all right. Um I remember we went well, I remember bits of it. Um we were in the boar's head anyway. I think everyone goes to the boar's head. So we were in the boar's head and actually when I finished when I retired from Kerry, Aidan Shea actually sent me a tweet congratulating me. I actually had a picture. I think we're singing Westlife in Coppers. Um, but we're singing to each other and we're doing the old the finger dance. Do you know that all GA players have because we're not great at dancing? But uh, <laughs> yeah, like you, you'd celebrate it on the night, but like that, it's one night and like that, you're back down for a county train the next day. So I'd say back in the day, you get a couple of extra nights for celebrating, but you're back into the thick of it. At the time, I actually think 2013, we actually had a lot of injuries and I had a few niggas for myself. So I wasn't training a whole pile and I was playing, I was playing the league games for Kerry, but I wasn't training. And I think that was. Um, I think it might have been Eamon's first year as well. And I'll never forget getting caught for ducking and diving Mariamic and talking gestures for tackling, but I was only saving my energy. I think I probably talked about it on a previous podcast. And um, he he caught, he he caught me out for it anyway, Mariamic and talking gestures because the fitness wasn't where it should be at the time because I wasn't able to train as much. But uh, no, great experience. It's a great medal to have. And like that... Um, I suppose DIT haven't been lucky enough to win one again since. Good memories, anyway. And I'm looking forward to seeing that photo of you singing uh, Westlife with the finger dance going yourself and Aidan O'Shea. Yeah. Oh, we're giving it socks. It's probably a good job you can't hear us. <laughs> Maybe we'll put it as the, the poster for the, the GR podcast or something. Well, probably better than the picture you have up for our WhatsApp group, all right, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Darren, for people who don't know, with the long flowing locks back in. I don't know what year that was, Darren. That was 2004. 2004, yeah. It's a bit, the hair is a bit shorter and thinner now. <laughs> the, the, good old, the good old days, yeah. The good old days, yeah. Yeah, so in the hurling, it was a 
It was a brilliant win for um, the University of Limerick. They were the red hot favourites coming into the final against um, the University of Galway, as they're now known, previously known as NUIG. Um, it's the second year in a row that uh, UL have beaten um, the University of Galway in the in the final, and this one was a bit of a hammering for for a finish. Well, it was a hammering the whole way through, really, because um, Watford's Michael Kiley. Um, I was calling him the the Fitzgibbon Cup King at the weekend because he was the the hero in last year's competition. He scored a late goal to win the semi final against It Carlo with a last minute free from about four, 35 yards, we'll say, in the semi final. Then he got the winning goal in the final, and this year he goes out and gets four one in the in the Fitzgibbon Cup final. So. Um, he definitely was uh, the man of the match there, and he was the the hero for UL for a second successive year. But um, it was it was an unbelievable display from UL. They had um, a, a real mix, I suppose. They had it was mostly monster players. Um, Tipperary's Brian O'Mara, he's definitely one I'm looking forward to watching this year um, for Tipperary. Liam Cal. Um, which was uh, great man management, you'd have to say, kind of let him off um, to, I suppose, fulfil his his college commitments and to try and win with the college. And he captained them to, to that win. So that was great for him. Um, Mark Rogers, a key man, he's a unbelievable young hurler from Clare. He, he linked up well with Kylie. So did Sean Toomey, Adam English. It, geez, it, was, it was nearly a dream team. Um, like the Galacticos of Fitzgibbon hurling that that UL had, they had subs coming on, um, like brilliant hurlers from from all around the place. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a tough one for the University of Galway. They had uh, they were all a, basically a Galway development team. They had one player man on the team, Darren O'Brien, who was incidentally the captain. But um, yeah, this was as it was last year. This was the Michael Kiley final so um it was it was brilliant for him and uh just before we go i suppose we'll, we'll give a mention to the the challenge match the dylan quirk foundation challenge match between tipperary and kilkenny that took place in in Semple stadium and this was um set up for for by dylan's family um for the for the dylan quirk foundation and it was to raise funds and awareness about um, sudden sudden adult death syndrome. Um, Dylan was obviously a, a brilliant hurler for Tipperary. He was one minors no twenty ones and was really coming into his own with the with the seniors when he um, tragically passed away last year in a in a challenge match against um, Killeran or in a in a county championship match against Killeran McDonough's, but. Um, I think it's been the, the the reaction to his to his passing. I suppose has shown the the power of the GA community. And there was a, a photo of Dylan Quirk's father, Dan, who also played for for Tipperary and once scored three goals in an All Ireland Twenty One final. He presented the the trophy, which had um, Dylan the famous photo of Dylan holding his Ireland helmet up after winning the county championship in twenty eighteen engraved into it he presented that trophy to to Paddy Mullen the Kilkenny captain but it was it was just Kilkenny won the game but it was just it was a, a great cause and a great day and a great way to honor um a great man and um 
yeah uh that was just there was there was over five thousand people there but you could there was also a number of people supported it um by buying non-attendance tickets so um that was just for for a great cause and um definitely a, a great great occasion so um yeah that's that's all the hurling I, i'm sure you were glued to it all as well lee oh yeah i mean i i never slept i was just keeping an eye on everything you know me and my hurling <laughs> i'm well tuned in but i let you have the moments because i know you need to build up your knowledge so i let you take this one so that's all we have time for in today's show uh join me lee and niall next week for more ga action and uh yeah we'll see you then deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.